Welcome to the show with more go than a Ferrari, more flow than Niagara Falls, and more know than Albert Einstein. I'm your host, John Costello, publisher of Rappaport, and I'm joined today by Abby Kravitz. Um, hi, John. And Joshua Friedman. Hi, John. Great. So, Abby, you're just back uh, from a wonderful trip in India. Uh, what were you doing over there, and what were your big discoverables? Um, yeah, I, I, I was at the um, the IIJS show, um, which is the annual um, sort of big trade show um, happening in in Mumbai, and um, I had a chance to meet with uh, to see what's happening at the show, which is really pretty much a, a gold show. It's more about gold jewelry than diamond um, diamond trading. But all the diamond guys are there, and it was an opportunity to um, to meet uh, and meet with them and sort of catch um, a uh, sort of take the pul- uh, take the temperature of the of the industry in uh, in India. And what was the temperature? Lukewarm. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, uh, to be honest, it was it was better than I expected. The mood um, uh, certainly in the. The show was better than ex- than I expected. Um, uh, you know, after after gold prices went up and the rupee depreciated, which affected gold prices, and uh, uh, th- there wasn't much. Um, uh, there were there weren't high expectations for the show, but um, actually there was good traffic, and uh, and hopefully as the gold price stabilizes, the currency stabilizes, um, jewelers will start to make orders before the. The, the festive season in India, which kind of kind of kicks off with the various auspicious days towards the end of of um, of August. Um, in terms of the diamond um, trading, the, the the market there, the, the manufacturers are kind of playing a waiting game. Um, you know, we've know, we know that they've reduced their production of polished diamonds. Um, they they've reduced their rough purchases. And they and so they're hoping that with uh, with less polish coming to the markets, um, it will balance out inventories by the time the Diwali holiday um, comes around towards the end of October. They'll go on break. Their factories will close for for three or four weeks, and hopefully, when they come back, um, they would have got some um, good orders for for goods um, in the United States for the holiday season and and the, the market conditions would have um, improved by then so um so we know that, and they recognized the the tough market conditions that um, they've endured in 2019 that are, are have sort of come to a head um at, in the last month or two but there is some uh, some hope that uh, the cycle will restart towards the end of the year and Joshua, a more important show for the, the diamond uh, industry and jewelry industry is the Hong Kong show in September. You wrote a piece about that. Um, there's a bit of nerves out there with the current situation in Hong Kong. Yeah, there's there's two uh, main issues, really. One is the general state of the market uh, in China because of the trade war, uh, weak consumer demand in, in mainland China um, and also in, in Hong Kong. Um, but the more acute issue has been the... Uh, uh, the mass protests in Hong Kong. Uh, people have, have said that uh, jewelry businesses have been completely shut. Um, it's been impossible to do business. It's been impossible to get around in Hong Kong. Um, and uh, it seems that if the if the show had been last week, it probably would have been cancelled. Um, it's probably very fortunate that there's, that there's another uh, few weeks to go until it starts. Um, and the general expectation is that by then um, everything will have. Um, quietened it down enough 
that the show will be able to go go ahead as normal, although many people would have um, cancelled their plans to go by now. And Bruce Cleaver has been quoted in a few different places. I've been reading that uh, he's been very, uh, I suppose, confident that, you know, the industry will overcome this. We've had downturns before. We've had bad times before. Was that the type of vibe you were getting from from people on the ground in India and people at the show in India? So I, th- I think there, there are two there are two um, issues that are that have, that are affecting the market and market sentiment at the moment. Um, the one is a supply issue, and the other is a demand issue. Um, and uh, th- I think there is my sense um, in India was that on the supply side, where um, there's been an oversupply of goods um, throughout 2019, um, there's a sense that the market is dealing with that, and um, and that the there is a cycle that will begin. Um, again, you know, after Div- after Diwali, that um, they they reduced their polished production, and um, and so the market should balance out in terms of inventory um, uh, I- I over the next few months. Um, on the demand side, uh, um, you know, I think that people are concerned about what's um, uh, what's happening in Hong Kong. There, there wasn't um, very high expectations for the Hong Kong show. And um, and it's not only because of the protests. I think there's a lot of uncertainty about the impact, the long-term impact that the trade war will have on um, Chinese demand, and that affects certain categories um, that have been fairly weak um, in the you know for for this throughout this year. There's still quite a bit of uncertainty, though, because uh, President Trump came out and uh, said he's going to give people a bit of a Christmas cheer by uh, taking some um, some products out, out of the tariffs uh, at the moment and de- delaying the implementation until, I think, mid-December. So things like uh, toys, clothing, footwear and electronic goods. But uh, jewellery and diamonds didn't, didn't manage to escape uh, the tariff. And, and that tariff is due to come in on September 1, Joshua? Uh, correct, yes. There will be a, a, direct, a direct impact and an indirect impact. The, the, the direct impact will be on, on those particular goods that we're talking about, jewellery, jewellery parts, diamonds. Um, there will be a 10% tariff, an extra, 10, an extra 10% tariff on, um, on any of those items that are imported from China. But then there's also the more indirect impact on... Um, as as Avi has been saying on on consumer demand and and it's not just in China it's also in the US we've seen the stock market fall um, and some concerns are now growing about whether there will be sufficient US demand um, for for luxury items and we're still waiting for China's response to to this in, in in full and also President Trump has shown a kind of a predisposition to, you know, turn on a dime and, and change direction very quickly. Uh, the, the, the Christmas tariffs or the delay in tariffs for toys, clothing, footwear, electronics is one example of that. Is there any possibility that he, he might strike a deal with China before September 1? Or is it likely that this uh, tariff will go ahead and uh, we have to wait and see what happens? Oh, yeah, I mean, you, you you never you never know, but uh, but I think the the general expectation is that these tariffs will will go into effect in in September. And when you ask about the retaliation um, by the Chinese, um, there already has been some some um, sort of response to to the to the new tariffs in that the 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 the, the Chinese government devalued their currency, and um, which is um, uh, which which is designed to help. Um, alleviate the costs of ex- for exporters from China, 
um, what what that, uh, that that's not necessarily good for the for the diamond industry in China because they're generally a, an importer of goods. So it's um, it, it 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 sort of hurts the the trade. It makes makes their diamond um, imports uh, more expensive and would put again additional pressure on um, on the on prices in in the local currency. Um, which I think in certain categories like those 30, 30 points as the half carats, um, which are popular in China, do have an effect on the on the the wider wider market. Um, where it also um, has a, a notable impact is on the the spending power of, of tourists that are, are are traveling from China. Um, you know, traditionally we we've seen a lot of uh, luxury purchases um, in Hong Kong, um, certainly, but also in uh, in markets like New York and Paris, amongst the the high end luxury um, luxury houses that rely on um, that tourist spending. And um, and so with a weaker with a weaker um, yuan, the 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 Chinese consumer has less um, has a diminished spending power, and that may affect. Um, you know, uh, sales over the holiday season in um, in these markets. And Joshua is getting ready to pack his bags to go to Hong Kong for the show. Uh, do you have any expectations, Joshua, what you, you might experience? Well, I think expectations are low in general for the show uh, because of the state of the market and the state of China and the state of Hong Kong. But uh, it's an important show for, for collecting goods for the holiday season. And people will go to China to... Um, obviously to buy and sell but um, uh, it should give some sort of indication of, of what's in demand and the extent uh, to which um, to which there is demand and uh, I, I think uh, it usually acts as quite a good barometer for the state of the diamond and jewellery industry And while there's kind of been a, b- a bit of a, a grey or even darker than grey cloud hanging over the industry for the, the past while, it, it seems that in a kind of a broader economic sense that there's there's fears of actually actual a global recession and a, a recession in the US. You had poor figures coming back from China, poor figures coming back from uh, Germany. And, you know, with the uh, consumer uh, market in, in the US propping up the, the jewellery and diamond industry at the moment, and it's still quite, a, you know, a, a, a good um, good results coming from consumer spending and consumer demand in the US. If a recession was to hit the US, uh, is, is, is this going to further, you know, negatively impact the, the diamond and jewellery sector? Yeah, I mean the, the luxury items are the first um, are the first thing that uh, that consumers cut back on when uh, you know when when times are are, are tough. Um, it's it's actually it's I'm finding kind of difficult to read the the economic data because um, you know we have we do have this uncertainty um, in you know in the uh, globally. Um, and I think also in the United States, even independent of the trade war and you know all this, um, the, the the developments that have have um, occurred in the in the last um, half year, even before then, there was some um, concern that the U.S. is due for a slowdown in economic growth. Um, you know, even uh, you know when I was at the AGS conclave in Seattle um, in April. Forevermark gave a a presentation where they they said exactly that that even you know just cyclically um, you know the, the the U.S. has gone through a slowdown every ten years and and it's been ten years of of growth that's um that's due to due for for some sort of a a, a slowdown. 
but unemployment is is um, is is at record lows, and um, and we would expect that to feed into the uh, into some consumer confidence. However, um, you know, so far this uh, this earnings season, the 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 retailers haven't been performing very well. Macy's, J.C. Penney have um, have had tough quarters. And um, we're not expecting great um, great quarters from the from the major re- uh, jewelers um, for for the for the second quarter, and and so I think yeah the the expectation um, for 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 the for for 2019 as a whole is a bit muted. And do you think like the the big the big uh, jewelers not performing so well? Do you, do you think this is showing a little? bit more of a kind of a, a shift to kind of the independence that the, the local stores are, are performing a little, a little bit better well i think i think the independents are taking market share from uh, from the from the majors um not in a very significant way um but the, the there's no doubt um you know when we look at the you know signet jewelers um pandora um even tiffany have um they're all going through these um sort of uh uh, changes um, and and that's because their sales have been um, have been lagging, and um, and so each of the the major jewelers out there are um, are rethinking their strategy um, because they they found it difficult to um, to maintain their 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 business models. Um, you know, a lot of them are very exposed to the malls, and mall traffic is down. And they've been sort of late adopters of um, of technology in terms of developing effective omni-channel platforms. And the the independents are um, the 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 strong independents. Not all the independents are um, are uh, capitalizing on that, and and are more flexible and more um, at, more attuned to um, to what consumers today are looking for. Yeah, it's quite interesting when I, when I was preparing for this podcast because uh, I do sometimes do a little bit of work. Um, it's quite interesting. There has only been eleven recessions since World War Two. And on average, they last 11.1 months. Uh, this is according to the National Bureau of Economic Research. And the longest has lasted 18 months. So which has been the longest? Is this a quiz? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is when you say so, Joshua. Two. I'm going to guess 2008. 2008. Yeah. yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So that's been the, the, the longest. And even more interesting, there's about 40 million U.S. adults have not... S- seen a single recession during their working lives and it just shows you how quick things move on uh since and that's since uh june 2009 when the the great recession as they call it has ended so there's forty thousand people out there working that haven't experienced what a recession is like 40 million 40 million million, sorry um so that's going to be uh (laughs) an interesting to see how they cope but again the the silver lining and all of this could be men's jewelry avi (laughs) <laughs> men's jewelry. I, I don't know if men's jewelry is going to save the day for the industry, but it's um, it's certainly a trend that we're that we, we we've noticed um, that uh, more men are, are seem to be wearing jewelry. And, and th- this uh, this week we we wrote a story on Diamonds.net that Tiffany um, introduced its first ever collection of men's jewelry. Is it first? comprehensive collection of men's jewelry right, right. Going, going beyond cufflinks to you know, a more a more comprehensive range of of stuff 
Um, so, so yeah, it's something that that people are um, are talking about, uh, and it's something we're seeing more of in terms of uh, you know when we follow you know pop culture and uh, you know what celebrities are doing, and um, we we are um, we're, we're going to be running a, a piece in the um, in the September magazine about uh, men's jewelry and what's influencing it, and uh, you know it's, 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 I don't know if it's a new trend. I don't think it is rappers and uh so uh, you know the, the, there's always been strong men's um statement jewelry in the in the music industry for example um but that seems to be um seems to be filtering through to the uh to to the mainstream yeah it's interesting that like man jewelry has has been a, a stigmatized kind of concept for for qu- qu- quite a while and quite a few generations but it does seem now that you're you're starting to get beyond like m- m- most guys will do a watch they'll do the wedding band and it kind of stops after that but you are starting to see you know bracelets and even stacked bracelets following the the female trend uh, becoming a thing and uh and chains and rings outside just the uh the, the wedding band becoming more of a thing and it was interesting again they're they're saying that men's fine jewelry has jumped from 4.3 billion in 2012 to 5.3 billion in 2017 according to Euromonitor and uh, now this is dwarfed by by women's fine jewelry which was at uh 33.2 billion so it's only a fraction but but do, do you think it's I think the jewelry and diamond industry is always looking for new markets do you think the the men's market can grow uh you know beyond the the 5.3 billion in a substantial way to become uh you know a significant thing for example joshua you're going to run out run out and get some stacked bracelets and uh maybe uh, some earwear or whatever the latest trend is yeah i, I like a good watch although i um i um i didn't even go as far as the wedding ring but uh I, 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 Avi can correct me on on this, perhaps, but um, I believe that the um, for the large retailers, the the the, the lower priced products actually have better margins than some of the high end stuff. Um, so it could potentially be that this is a quite a high margin, um, a high margin sector um, for for jewelry retailers. Avi's looking quite puzzled at <laughs> <with> that. <laughs> <I'll answer> that. <laughs> um, um, it's possible. I, um, I I think it's more about a, a volume game, though. That mm-hmm. uh, that, um, that that if it's it's still a relatively small mm-hmm. small category, as, yeah. as John pointed out. Um, I just wonder, you know, how um, how one approaches the marketing for such things. If uh, and who who is the who is the primary customer in a, in the men's jewelry space? Is it a the is it the male self purchaser? Or um, or are they getting um, <laughs> these? Uh, you know, is it is it a gifting item that uh, that they're that they're getting? Um, it's probably a probably an, a combination of of both. But one one thing that that I think is happening in general um, in general fashion is that there's more there is a, a, a sort of a trend towards um, unisex um, ideas in in fashion and, and expression. And uh, so accessories become a big uh, a big item in that uh, in that trend, and uh, so I, I I don't see why it sh- um, it shouldn't catch on, um, particularly amongst the younger generation of you know millennials who are trying to express themselves in a, in a, in a unique way. And finally, it's that time that we ask Joshua and Avi, what if you could have any accessory, what would it be? So we'll start with Joshua. Uh, depends what falls into the category of accessory, but um, I'd. I'd uh, it doesn't include eyeglasses. 
Um, if I can pick a, a luxury watch, then I take that. Avi. Well, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a. I don't wear a watch, and I don't have um, jewelry. But one one item I do have, and that I that I that I treasure very very much, is a is a is a pocket watch that um, that I inherited. And uh, if I could just get it to work, <laughs> um, I think that uh, you know there's something very elegant about a about a pocket watch that I think would set me from the you know apart from the from the crowd. It could become a thing. Yeah. Anyway, what about you, John? <laughs> what, what do you? What's your? What's what's your preference? I, th- I, I I'm not a watch guy, but I I definitely could go. I wear a, a wedding band ring, and I could definitely go with maybe a, if I saw something a, a ring that spoke to me, I could maybe push out and go there. I'm not really into into uh, chains or, or necklaces, so I think another ring I could I could definitely maybe on my little pinky. Yeah, I could see you in a big uh, strong Mr. T <laughs> <laughs> neck gold necklace, and on uh, that bombshell, Tel beaches. <laughs> Thank you, Avi. Thanks, John. Thank you, uh, Joshua. And hopefully Thank after you, after the Hong Kong show, we'll uh, have some more positive, upbeat news. But uh, at the moment, that's it for the Rappaport podcast team. All the best. Thank you.